Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 400. This is Ross Dunn, Yay. CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local. Today, we have a special episode for you. We are interviewing John Mueller, Google Search Advocate. We were just saying it's a title I haven't heard yet. Uh, very clean, very simple, and says a lot. So, John, I know this is your Friday evening. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Oh, thank you for Definitely. having me. Hey, I, I, I highly would recommend, since it's a Friday evening for you, that you grab a cocktail. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> could... Afterwards, afterwards. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I know 400 episodes um, doesn't compare to some shows, but we're pretty proud of the milestone. And uh, I understand yeah, okay. you even listen to the show occasionally. Uh, yeah, I know you even mentioned that uh, a few years ago. So thank you. That meant yeah. Which we appreciate not all 400 yet, but uh, may, maybe at some point. Like if you slow down, people can catch up. <laughs> well, I was explaining to someone the other day, it's our 400, like, wow, how long have you been doing this? And I'm like, no, no, it's 400 weekly episodes. We've been doing this since 2009. <laughs> Not quite weekly, but we're try. We try. Yeah, we try. <laughs> um, well, uh, before we get into things, I wanted to first take a moment um, <clears throat> and... Well, the SEO community experienced a significant loss this week uh, of the show's recording. Anyway, we lost one of the brightest minds of, of uh, SEO, uh, Hamlet Batista. Uh, we lost him to COVID-19. He was a much loved member of the SEO community and his loss is being felt acutely uh, as evidenced by the tsunami of uh, posts across all of the industry uh, sites. And in particular, uh, Lily Ray, wrote a tribute to Hamlet and on Search Engine Journal. And I, well, it made me dearly wish I'd gotten to know him personally. I only had read his articles and respected what he'd written. And, and I've Same. since read more of them and just, wow, we really did. I mean, just the, the loss of life is bad enough, but to lose him is just, you know, obviously a, a loss for the industry as well. Lily has put together a GoFundMe campaign. You'll be able to find a link to that in the show notes if you are part of that. If you're not, just go to SEO101radio.com and you'll be able to uh, subscribe to them or uh, there'll be a link there to the blog as well that has the transcription. I'll also share a link to uh, Hamlet's Rank Sense Manifesto. Rank Sense is his business. Uh, it's a fantastic read and it really shows his passion for the SEO community and how he wanted to improve the reputation as a whole through a greater understanding of data science and programming in Python. Uh, it kind of got me pumped made me want to get into python actually i i'm not a programmer uh bit of a anti like I just, I just math scares the bejesus out of me and i don't know how much math is in python but <laughs> i don't know anyway i am i i'm excited and i think even to honor him i'm just gonna give it a shot so um anyway it's a big loss and uh i thought it was important we we say that so john uh okay this is how we're gonna do this john mueller we're gonna call you john John Carcutt, I'm going to call you Johnny. I'm going to try anyway. Make sure we get this oh, right. Jeez. All right, fine. <laughs> I, I, I will. I will. 
bow and let my name be used by the more important John on this call. Okay. <laughs> well, another Johnny boy, if you want, but anyway. yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, John, how have you been doing through all this COVID mess? Uh, everything okay? Family okay? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Okay, like what is what is okay? Yeah, uh, you kind of survive, but it's true. yeah, it's um, so. I think at Google, we we stopped working in the office sometime early March. Uh, so I, I was back in the office once uh, in between when things were a little bit better here in Switzerland. Uh, but otherwise, it's, it's all working from home. Um, my, my daughter is studying from home, essentially. Uh, it's, it's just all very weird and different. And that's even excluding, I don't, I don't know, like, like seeing uh, kind of the direct effects, like with Hamlet, uh, where when when you're i don't know when you're isolating and uh kind of staying to yourself it, it almost comes across as like well you can kind of get used to it and it's kind of normal but you don't realize that actually there's still this big thing happening out there uh that hasn't really slowed down much yeah we, we always think of google as being really innovative about things are they doing anything interesting or innovative around COVID for you guys um I don't know. I mean, <laughs> not, not in the sense that we have like a secret weapon against COVID. No, no, or no, not like that. I'm just saying. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, we. It's like I, I guess working from home is is fairly easy at, with with regards to Google because we have all of the tools, and most of the teams are more kind of software and coding related. Uh, so it's not that you have to go out and meet people and do things in person. Um, I, I know there are some teams that are kind of focused on hardware. Obviously, they have it a little bit harder, and all of the data center teams, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a bit trickier there. But uh, lots of people can work from home. And we have a lot of the tools that make it possible so that you, you can do all of your, your video conferencing and I, I don't know, pretty much all of your work from home or from any location, essentially. So. Excellent. At least from I know, that I know point of view, good. Yeah, I know. I know. Like in, in our business, we're talking about the idea of, well, does everybody really have to go back to the office after all this is over? And I think that's going to happen in a lot of places. Yeah. 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 I, I think it'll be a little bit weird for a longer time. Uh, even that kind of mixed mode of people who want to go to the office or who don't want to go to the office. Uh, it'll be a tricky thing to kind of navigate. No doubt. Yeah, Absolutely. Especially with different immune system issues and who knows, uh, lots of paranoia and hey, I get it. It's been a stressful time. All right, well, let's plow on here. So tell me, what what is it that, what does your role entail as Google search advocate? Okay, I don't, I don't know. Uh, what should I be doing? Um, <laughs> good question. <laughs> Always have to think about this from time to time. Um, I mean, the, the general idea is to have some people who, who talk with people externally who make websites, um, who work kind of in, in the world that, that is associated with search. And uh, our, our goal is kind of to connect those people who are making websites, who are optimizing websites uh, with the engineers and the teams internally at Google that kind of work on the search side of things so that we're kind of 
I don't know, have similar ideas. We, we pull in the same direction. Uh, we, we kind of understand what it is that on Google side we need to do to help you all to be successful on the web and that the people on the web kind of understand what, what Google is trying to do and what they could be doing slightly differently, perhaps, to be more successful on So is your role different than Danny Sullivan's, or do you coordinate work together? How does that work? Uh, we, we do work together quite a bit. Um, but uh, I, I see Danny's role a little bit more on a, a kind of a higher level with regards to like policy decisions, those kind of things. And okay. we're kind of more on a tactical level in that we actually go out and try to kind of help people one-to-one. -one. Awesome. Who's, who, who's the we? Is it just you and, and uh, Martin and, and Gary, or is there more? There's, uh, we like Daniel is also on my team, Daniel Weisberg. Um, he used to do a lot of analytics stuff. And then we, we have a handful of other folks as well, uh, including also the, the people who work on the uh, developer documentation for search. So all of that yeah. kind of is under one umbrella. Nice. So how did you get your start in this line of work? I, these are questions I don't normally see people ask, and I'm just curious. How did I get started? Um, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> So before joining Google, I had a small software company. And at some point, things were working fairly well. And like everyone, I guess at around that time, the internet was coming up. So we started doing a little bit more in that direction. And uh, I created a, a sitemaps generator. Sitemaps just came out right about then uh, for Windows and uh, started being a little bit more active in the, the help forum around kind of Google sitemaps and in general. And slowly, I guess I got in contact more with people from Google and uh, went and visited the office in Zurich and it kind of grew out of there. So were you recruited was, by them? Um, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean I, somehow. Did you try and get a job or did they try and get you is what I was getting at. Um, they sent me an email to, to a domain that I wasn't actively monitoring the email for. And just accidentally, <laughs> I noticed that uh, it was there. And I was like, is this real? I was like, why, why is someone sending me an email to this domain? And uh, then, I don't know, I think it took like over a year to go from there to actually working at Google. Good for you. Nice. That's, that's yeah. very cool. That's been quite flattering, although I know it's earlier in their years, but still would have been quite flattering, I'm sure. Um, so what is your favorite and least favorite part of the job? Um, favorite part of the job? I, I think what, what I really enjoy is kind of seeing the, the smart and creative things that people do online uh, with regards to search. And uh, kind of, I don't know, the, the things that are unexpected, kind of the, those aspects where you look at them and you say, that, that was really cool. And uh, that's with regards to content sometimes, uh, with regards to SEO techniques, sometimes also just kind of like technical details that they do in a really cool way. I, I don't know, that's, that's something I, I really enjoy seeing. And uh, it's something that within our role, it's, I guess you run across that every now and then because people go and it's like, 
does this actually work for Google or not? And you look at it and it's like, oh, that's, that's like a pretty cool idea. <laughs> so that I, I think is, is pretty much that something I really enjoy. It's, it's, I don't know, being connected to the, the, the really smart people, the creative people, kind of that mix. That's really fun. Awesome. Um, let's see, least favorite. I don't know. I, I think Podcasts. that was podcast. No, no, yeah. podcasts are kind of okay. Um, let's see, time zones, I, I think is, is one of the things that always comes up for me. And nice. I, I mean, it is kind of like here now too, but it's not like th this time is not too bad. Uh, but it's something where since a lot of people uh, at Google are located in California, where, where the headquarters are, um, we we tend to have more and more meetings during kind of California daytime. Mm -hmm. And uh, that tends to be late in the evening here. And mm -hmm. some days it, it just piles on where it's like from 5 p.m. until 8, 9 p.m. you ha have mm -hmm. nonstop meetings. Yeah, and it's, I, I don't know, it's, it's something where I, I really enjoy seeing what people are up to and what they're working on. But at the same time, it's like, oh, it's such a long day. Uh, so if I could get rid of time zones, I, I think that would make me a lot They don't let you start later in the day? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I can start later in the day. I mean, that's it's not like we have like a, yeah. a punch right. clock to kind of uh, check in and check out. But yeah. uh, it's also say. like if you have kids, they, they just get up in the morning. It's like you can't be there like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sleep until 10. You go do your school stuff. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. True. I was going to say, Ross, you should know better. There's no such thing as clocking in and clocking out when you're, you know, doing this kind of work. You're, doing, you're on 24 so. seven. Yeah. Well, as long as they don't make you do a full day and then like you make you work late, that would, I don't know how things work <laughs> at these big companies. I never go and call that corporate. So, um, yeah. <laughs> once you get over 80 hours in the week, they tend to let you back off a little, <laughs> just a little though. <laughs> um, so you often do Q and A's on YouTube uh, called Google Search News, and I'm, this is this is more for me, and, and I'm sure other listeners who like this stuff. But do you have a podcast version of that? I try and listen to it while I'm on my walk with my dog, and I've got to run the video in my pocket. <laughs> it's kind of annoying. The the office hours, you mean? I guess, or I guess so. It on YouTube yeah. they call it Google Search News, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the search news are kind of the, the short one that we do maybe once, I don't know, every month or every ah. other month. Um, the, the office hours are ones that we do, I don't know, almost weekly, essentially. But okay. yeah, it's, it's not in podcast format. We do have the search off the record podcast, though. I was about to mention yeah, that. That's too. a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God, that's funny. I, I get the impression yeah. Gary is quite the character to work with. <laughs> well, everyone's character to work yeah. with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone's unique. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, Martin does yes. definitely is. I, I love Martin, and uh, I love the whole thing. It's it's great. But... Are you saying you don't love Gary? Come on. Well, Gary seems. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 you're stuttering way uh, too much. You're yeah. stuttering way too much. Hey, Gary, we we all love you. I'll work on Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, he's 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 a quick-witted one. Uh, I I envy that but I bet that is tricky <laughs> for interviews. <laughs> um, anyways, let's get into the questions here. Uh, let's start with something straightforward. What do you enjoy talking about, John? What do I enjoy talking about? In, the, in this area, of course. In this area. 
Um, I don't know. It's it it depends. Um, I like saying it depends. Okay. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> There's Fair a very enough. good meme for that related to SEO out there. If you don't, if you haven't seen it, I'll send it to you. <laughs> They're all over. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> it's all good. I know it was vague, but I was kind of curious. You know whether or not there was this particular topic that you get questions on a lot, and it's it's always intriguing to explain or whatever. Um, it was a last minute ad, probably put more thought into that one, but. Okay, so I understand that many businesses need to wait until the most recent core algorithm update to see improvements in their rankings if they were hit the last time. Uh, for those who suffered as a result of the latest core update, is there really nothing they can do to get back into Google's good races, assuming that's what is the issue, until the next one? How does that work? Um, I, I think there are, there are like multiple levels there with regards to the effect. And it's not so much, uh, I'd say, something where we would look at it as the website has to fix something, like there's some technical problem that you need to fix. Uh, but more, the, the core algorithms tend to look at it more as, well, we, we don't think your current website as it is, is as relevant for those queries as, as we showed it in the past. Uh, so that's something where you kind of have to take a step back and think about like, how, how can I improve my relevance? Or how can I show Google and users that I am still relevant for these topics? Or can I kind of tweak the topics that I write about to match where I, I really have big strength to, to kind of work on? And the, the effects there you would see uh, on the one hand, you would see some incremental improvements over time if you significantly improve your website, like, like with anything. Um, as we recrawl, reprocess everything, that's something where you probably see some small changes over time. And depending on the, the kind of effect that you saw from the core update, that might be something that takes a little bit longer. On the one hand, for us to uh, kind of re-understand your website, understand how, how it is relevant. And on the other hand, uh, with regards to core updates, if we think it really requires a rethinking of everything, then maybe you do need to wait a little bit longer until the next core update happens. Hmm. Yeah, because I know that there's quite a, a gap. It was almost, was it a, nearly a year between the big, uh, the December one and the last, well, maybe not. I don't know. I thought it was like in June, May maybe. Or, or June. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm not sure but, it was yeah. a year, but... <laughs> It's, it's annoying. Like if you're yeah. kind of stuck in between, I, yeah. I do get that, that it's annoying, but it's also something where I would not just like make some fixes and then wait, but rather it's like you can continue working on your website and continue improving things over time. It's not something where I'd, I'd really kind of tell people like, oh, you shouldn't do anything and just wait and see how Google thinks then and then make more changes if Google doesn't like it enough. So, yeah. so what do you what do you say to people who their their philosophy and their practices when they're when they're doing this is never to make multiple big changes because you don't know which one of those changes impacted whatever results you saw whether they're positive or negative you always do like one major thing at a time and if they're doing that based on a core update it's hard to keep going until you find out what happened you know what I mean yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing where I'd say I, I would not try to wait for, for that to settle down. Because you will, mm -hmm. like, if you, if you know that there are multiple things that you can do to improve, just making, like, one of those changes is, 
it's like make maybe it's good enough but maybe it's like still not completely good enough and you don't want to kind of wait for multiple cycles so that's something where even those incremental gains they can be quite valuable and they can also uh, result in also indirect effects as well with regards to things like conversions um, maybe traffic from social media all of that can play into that as well where you kind of don't always just need to wait for that update to happen. Okay. Now I know um, I've heard people talk about how, you know, it's such a long wait that they've considered um, creating a new site and trying to get that ranked while they wait for this to happen. And it's unfortunate, but I, uh, and hopefully that won't be the case for, for a long time, like uh, on, a, on a regular basis that people have to think that way, but it is sometimes a long wait and four months or five months can be, very deadly for a business because it usually isn't a gradual or small drop if they've been hit it's because we've got a couple we're trying to help right now and they just went down to a hundred like they lost 90 percent of their traffic and to have to run a business is nearly impossible at that point um yeah anyway i, I it, it is unfortunate but i guess they don't really have an option they they can fix what they can of the other one of, of the one that's already established and, and we're working with someone on that but yeah they oftentimes have to start another one and, and uh, get back up there. I do wish that was a little different. I almost missed the Google dance in that sense. At least it happened more often, you know? <laughs> you can yeah. read my Facebook. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, my, my general hope is that we can make it a little bit smoother and that you can kind of react or make it a little bit more real time. Um, but it, it is really tricky when it comes to bigger algorithm changes because we're not just like tweaking things slightly but some, sometimes we really have to rethink how we uh, do relevance with regards to search results mm -hmm. well kind of a good segue actually here um, back in the early days the google search algorithm was reportedly managed 100 percent by engineers um, at that time when there were questions about the existence of a ranking i imagine it was easier to outline that uh, you know wh why it happened um, now that Google uses so much artificial intelligence, is it still possible for search engineers to know exactly how a ranking is chosen? Is it more of a black box now? I, I, I think we can still figure out like why, why things are ranking the way they are. So, um, I mean, it's, it's not something that uh, I, I personally do um, because we, we tend to focus more on the technical aspects, which tend to be more around like, is this page even indexed or not? And then the ranking is kind of a, a secondary effect there. Uh, but it is something where when we run across issues where we see like this page is not ranking at all or not ranking well, and we think it's actually a fantastic page for this query, uh, we will sometimes pass that on to the search quality team. And they do, they do have ways to figure out like what is actually happening there. And they can look into the individual factors and figure out, oh yeah, we, we need to tweak this a little bit, or this is a good example for this specific kind of case. And the next time we make algorithm change uh, that involves that, that part of the system, then we'll take these examples into account and try to make sure that they, they work out appropriately. Uh, so it, it is something where we can still figure out why things are the way they are and then work to improve that. It's, I, I think something that for the longest time we, we did hold off with regards to kind of machine learning with regards to search because we were kind of worried that 
you would have one big system and it would just pop out the rankings and nobody really knew why. Um, but uh, a lot of things are kind of smaller systems and they play together. So even if in, within a small system, we use machine learning to figure out say canonicalization, we can still kind of work backwards from what, what was in there and figure out like, why did the system come to this conclusion? And what do we need to tune with the training data, with the weights, all of those kind of things. Yeah, right. So if you keep them separated, it's a little easier to manage what it is that's interacting. I see. Until yeah. the, the day when it's all merged, then everyone's out of work. <laughs> I, I don't see that happening. <laughs> I mean, the, there are always bigger changes in, in the, the web overall, which make it so that kind of the, the thing you were optimizing for in the past might be completely different from what you would optimize for in the future. And uh, that's something we, we saw, I think, um, the first time I really noticed it was uh, everything around Panda when that came up, where people were creating kind of these really targeted landing pages. And our algorithms were like, oh yeah, these is like perfect match for this query. We should show this page, how to tie your shoes kind of thing. And then you kind of had to rethink how we were training the system or how we were working with our algorithms to say, well, sure, this page is an exact match of that query, but the site overall is just a bunch of like, I don't know, thin content, not really useful information. So we should take other things into account a little bit more. So kind of those shifts of the, I don't know, almost the, the philosophy or the expectations on the web uh, that's something that's really hard to automate or, or probably not possible to automate. Hmm. Interesting. Otherwise, okay. I, um, it's easy to end up in a situation where everything is just clickbait, right? Where like yeah. if we train our systems like, oh, it's like people click the number one result and that's good, then the number one result is is always just some weird clickbaity article and mm -hmm. not really something useful. Mm -hmm. Well, let's uh, take a quick break. When we get back, um, we're going to talk about crawling. I know John's got an important yeah, question. Yeah, I'm going to finally ask some questions. <laughs> <laughs> SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. 
If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. We're joined today by John Mueller, Google Search Advocate. All right, John, fire away. Johnny, fire away. Johnny, Johnny, John. <laughs> Just don't call me Jimmy John. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> so so <laughs> I, I want to jump into crawling and crawl budget. I know you probably get these questions all the time, and I'm hoping this is one you haven't heard before, right? <laughs> so, um, and, and I'll preface this by knowing that I do understand that you always want to continue to crawl content um, just to make sure it hasn't changed. But there, I know there's sites, big, large e-commerce sites. I know our sites, media news sites, where we have big archives of content, right? And, and in our case, it's millions of pages on a single site. And we get a lot of crawler activity back in those pages because I know you're checking to make sure they haven't changed or they haven't been impacted by malware or anything like that. But I have noticed that it impacts our fresh content. I get a lot of things in Search Console that say, hey, we found this page, but we haven't crawled it yet. Is there a way without just blocking all that content to, to, to get the crawlers to focus on the fresh content instead of that archive content? Um, good question. I, I don't have a good answer for that other than that our systems try to figure that out. So that's one of those things where what, what happens on our side is we try to automatically split the site into different parts and to recognize which parts need to be crawled how frequently. Uh, so assuming you have like a subdirectory called archive or even just a subdirectory called, I don't know, 2020, 2019 kind of thing, yeah. then our systems would try to recognize these are separate parts of your website and we need to crawl and index them individually. And uh, then essentially what we'll do is we'll try to focus on the things that we need to crawl most frequently. They'll be kind of like in the higher priority queue. I mean, it's not, not that we have a queue, but uh, more in, in the sense, they'll be more important with regards to crawling. And then we'll say, oh, but we have all of this extra room left where we know the website has kind of the capacity for crawling. And we'll fill that with kind of all of the other stuff. So. Uh, things that, that we have to refresh uh, to, to kind of get updated. Um, maybe 404s where we just want to make sure that there's actually still no content here. Uh, all of those things. And if you have a website that has grown over a longer period of time, then that archive area, that 404 section just becomes really large compared to the recent content. 
And if you look at your server logs overall, it might look like Google is crawling too much of this old stuff and not enough new stuff. Uh, but actually, we're, we're still trying to balance that. I think. So, so, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. In, in, in the new crawl stats report in Search Console, I think you also see the difference between kind of the refresh and discovery crawl. Mm -hmm. So would it help, because it's, and I'll just be honest, it's something I'm considering and I'd love to get your opinion. Would it help to create dedicated XML files for the archive with lower priorities set on those URLs? No. No? We, we ignore you just the priorities. You saved me so much time. <laughs> you saved me so much time. Thank you. <laughs> you had All another right. follow-up there, John? Johnny? Um, Jimmy John? Jimmy John, jeez. I have another question. I have another question that's a different topic I'd love to ask. Um, so you guys just announced the new alternative to cookies, right? How are you visualizing a post-cookie world overall? Because people and software and browsers and cookies are going to be around for a long time. How's this switch going to, going to take place in your mind? I have no idea. So <laughs> yeah. I, I did not notice we announced an alternative to cookies. Oh, uh, <laughs> surprise. So, yeah, surprise. <laughs> now I have something to figure out. Uh, uh, so, I mean, the, the easy part is for search, for crawling, we don't use cookies at all. So right. uh, basically it, it's a non-issue with regards to the crawling and indexing side. And what happens kind of on the analytic side, on the tracking side is <laughs> understand. All right. That makes sense. All right. Uh, you're going to go back, Ross. You got, I know you got way more questions than I do. I did prep. <laughs> <laughs> I like to go with the flow. <laughs> so in, in a tweet on January 23rd, uh, John, you had a discussion about digital PR and you noted how you love some of the I'm things you've seen in digital PR. Uh, first, how would you describe digital PR? And second, I'm wondering if you remember any of the examples that stood out to you. Um, so I, I think, I think they, from a first point of view, um, I, I don't really have a definition for digital PR. I was just kind of going with what, what people were showing there. And it's something that, from, from my point of view, uh, is just something that we, we have never really talked about in, in the past. And I felt it was kind of also important to, to bring that up in that it is, it is something where when we talk to people and we tell them, it's like, oh, just make great content, and we kind of leave it at that. And uh, kind of explicitly pointing people at examples of how you can make great content and use that to do link building, essentially. Uh, that was kind of the the intent there. So it's not it's not that I had a, a specific definition of digital PR. Like this is like exactly this industry or exactly this amount of this kind of work, uh, but more that the general idea of like you're creating some cool new content and it's something fascinating where you know it matches what people are looking for, what they're interested in, and you go out and and you present that to other people and they think it's also cool and they link to you essentially. Uh, so that was kind of my, my intent there to show that um, instead of going off and buying links, you can actually create something fantastic on your site and 
I mean, you're not just putting it out there and waiting for people to link to it. You are kind of going and presenting it to people, but uh, it is something that you're doing with the intent, at least partially, uh, to get links, to get awareness of, of your site, of the, the other things that you're doing there. Yeah, I mean, links is not a bad thing, right? It's, it's, it's a positive vote of confidence. Yeah, and so it's, it's, it's uh, Roger Monty, actually, let's mention here, Roger Monty, I thought, described it really well um, in his article. Again, we've had him on the show before. He's a great writer. He says, quote, the short description of the strategy, and this is digital PR, could be framed as create something worth linking to and tell others about it. <laughs> so that's exactly what you just <laughs> yeah. said there, John. John. Yeah. <laughs> Get <most of> these <laughs> <down>. <laughs> so, just, just to be clear, though, so if you hire a company to do press release distribution, there's been perception years for years now that that could be considered paid linking because you're paying someone to distribute your content with links in it. Is that an acceptable practice to use those kind of distribution services? Um, I, I think if you're talking about press releases, that's kind of different from creating, I don't know, link-worthy content where people kind of freely link to your content. Because with a press release, you're taking a, a chunk of text, a chunk of HTML, and you're giving it to people and say, hey, here, put this on your website one-to-one. And that essentially goes into the area of kind of like guest posts where you're providing the link to your website, which mm -hmm. is a bit different from other people saying, oh, this is interesting. I will link to your website. Gotcha. So, so what kind of digital PR do you think, you know, is what people should focus on? Because when I think digital PR, and I know a lot of people in the industry, when they think digital PR, press releases is the first thing that comes to mind. What kind of okay. things do you think they should do? Yeah, I, I guess uh, I, I, I didn't uh, bring across the association with press releases, but uh, yeah, um, I, I think it's really about creating something, I don't know, link-worthy or interesting and telling people about it and saying like, hey, look at this cool thing that I created and other people saying, oh yeah, I, I really like that. I will link to it. Uh, so, so, so like socializing the change or the, the update as opposed to just writing a description and sending it out to a bunch of people and hope they pick it up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, and I good. would think too that um, just mentioning that, hey, this is a great article. I know you write about this kind of article all the time. Uh, maybe you'd consider uh, interviewing me or, or checking it out and commenting on it or, or anything. Um, I'd be happy to chat with you about it. That, that sort of thing, create the discussion, keep the discussion going. That would sort of be my idea of what it would be, at least one part of it. I'm sure there's many brilliant ways of doing digital PR. Um, yeah. and, and unfortunately, and I was reading about this when I was doing my background and research and I noted that a lot of people were saying, oh no, link builders are gonna rebrand themselves as digital PR. <laughs> and it's, you know. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's kind of taking out of context will, will definitely happen as well, or, or certainly, certainly is happening already. But I, I think it's also important to, to bring it out and kind of clearly say it's like just getting links on its own is not something bad. If you create something fantastic and you show it to people and they say, oh, this is great, I will link to it, then that's, that's mm -hmm. a, I don't know, that's a good thing from, from my point mm -hmm. of view. It's not like every link that you're involved in in any way is, is a bad thing. Well, uh, it, this actually really ties into something we talked about with Stephen Spencer in our last show. Not enough people 
pick up the phone and try to reach people to talk about what's happening with their business. It's all email these days. And he made a great point about those, those personal conversations could have, could have a much bigger impact with that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't use my phone. So <laughs> talking to Rob we were talking about that. Nice. My wife doesn't even pick up her phone. So yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. <clears throat> In a recent article by Rand Fishkin, he postulates that what he considers inferred links or mentions of a business, for example, carry as much as half the ranking influence of a link. Where does Google stand on whether mentions or inferred links have a say in ranking factors? Um, I don't know. I, I think on, on the one hand, I, I have shied away from ever trying to compare these kind of ranking factors because it's, it's not the case that they're fixed weights and you can kind of say like up to half or there's like the most important and the second most important thing. Um, I, I think those change all the time. They change depending on the kind of query on the situation as well. And it's something where kind of weighing the individual things I, I think is, is really tricky and misleading. Okay. In the sense so, that you, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that, that's kind of interesting because I've been having a conversation. I mean, it kind of leads to a follow-up question. I tell people that there's, there, I don't think there's anything that I can think of that's black and white when it comes to the algorithms. There's always outliers, there's always shades of gray. You know, I can find 404s that are still ranking, that kind of thing, right? Um, is there anything that you're aware of that's black and white? It's got to be either this way or that way, or is it all shades of gray? Well, I mean, things like no index are pretty clear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if it's a no index and we, we yeah. see the no index, like that's, that's pretty clear. But even, even something like blocked by robots text, like obviously we wouldn't crawl it, but it could still appear in the search results. So right. it's uh, like, I, I think the, the sec section of things that are clearly not possible, uh, that's, that's certainly there, but everything else kind of falls into that uh, gray area that you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. So, I always shake my head when somebody says, this always happens. I'm like, I bet it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in, <clears throat> inferred links or mentions and stuff, they are considered in the algorithms. Would that be I, I don't know how, how those that would be handled in, in detail. I mean, one of the things that we do um, with things like the knowledge graph uh, is to try to understand what entities are on a page mm -hmm. and to try to understand the relationship between those entities and to figure out how we should take that into account with regards to ranking. Um, but I, I'm not aware of anything specific where we'd say this is something you need to do or something that we expect people to do or that we expect to find on the natural web kind of thing. Um, my understanding is that a lot of that is just about better understanding the relationship between those entities and figuring out how things are connected on the web. That makes good sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, so can I follow up on the entities thing for a second? Yeah, please do. Okay. If, 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 <laughs> If I was to try to describe someone, what's the difference between doing entities research versus keyword research? Should I, A, first point them to one way direction or the other, or are they basically close enough where it doesn't matter? What's your opinion? I, I think for the most part, they're, they're pretty similar, but uh, it's always, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, I kind of say always worthwhile, but it's like, I, I have no idea. I, I don't do this my, myself, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's something where I, I think it's interesting to, to look at the specifics and to maybe like, I, I think in Google Trends, you can look at entities itself, themselves and you can see which queries are associated with them. And I think that's kind of one way to look at it a little bit, but you can also go from the queries themselves to see like what, which entities tend to show up more for that. So I think both aspects kind of make sense. And, and I get the question when I'm talking to entities about, because I do the SEO training for all of our reporters and editors across 25 newspapers. And I, I talk about entities and things. And I get the question of like, okay, John, you're an entity, you're John Carcutt, but you're also a man. You're also an SEO. You're a bunch of different entities. How does Google know which entity that you're talking about? And I'm going to ask it's, you the same question. <laughs> it's hard. I don't know. I mean, search for my name. It's like they, it, it gets really tricky when there are multiple, I guess, entities with the same name. Uh, right. So I, I, I think for the most part, when you search for my name, you have a political scientist showing up in the knowledge panel. And then you have, I don't know, some, some I don't know, social account for me. I don't know, Twitter or LinkedIn or something weird. And yeah. uh, there's a mix of all of these other John Mueller's out there as well. So uh, it's something where I, I don't think there's a simple kind of map from this query to exactly this entity. Uh, and, and, my, and tell me if I'm wrong, because my answer that I give them is that's where the AI comes in. And they look at the content around the entity to try to on the page to, to try to determine which variation. So if I'm if there's a page that mentions me, talking about how I raised my son versus a, a, an entity about me talking about SEO, the entity could be an, an SEO versus a father, depending on the content around it. Is that a good explanation to give them or is that wrong? I, I think that's, that's reasonable. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, it's, so, so I, I have not studied like all of the, this entity stuff and kind of been in touch with the teams that work on this. But so, so my, my answers are a bit more kind of like what I've randomly seen. And uh, it, it's something where my, my guess is we try to figure out which entity is the most relevant for specific kind of queries or uh, that kind of thing. That and sometimes that's... <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's sometimes pretty tricky. Like if, if you have multiple entities with the same name, like in, in my case, like political scientists or person at Google, it's like you can kind of differentiate between the two depending on what else you're searching for. But if you have someone like George Bush, it's like yeah. which which entity is George Bush? Right. Like hmm. you, okay. you essentially have to differentiate between the two, but finding which one of these where a lot of the attributes are very similar uh, is relevant. I, I imagine that's pretty tricky. I agree. All right. Um, I recently encountered an issue in a client site where, according to Google Search Console, thousands of job listings have been crawled but were not admitted to the index. No more information is forthcoming. It's really helpful that that information is there. I love that Google Search Console is there, so thank you. But... I'm still hunting for clear reasons other than perhaps the deficit of site authority. Uh, I find this issue comes up with other clients as well. What are some of the reasons for this? Yeah. Um, I, 
So, so usually when, when I get these kind of questions, I'd like to see a little bit more about the context of the site to figure out what, what exactly is happening there. I think uh, on the one hand, the various technical things that could be playing a role there, and a lot of cases they are. Mm -hmm. uh, that could be something like you, you have a URL structure that is really hard to crawl, or you have a URL structure with a lot of duplication with mm -hmm. maybe tagged URLs and parameters and all, all kinds of things like that. Uh, that's something that, that happens quite a bit, where we essentially get bogged down and just can't crawl everything. Um, that also sometimes plays a role with regards to crawl budget in that maybe the server is just slow. It's a, like a very well set up site, but we can't crawl as much as we would like. So we know the content is there, but we can't get to it in time. So it kind of ends up in that limbo state. And uh, I think the, the other aspect that you kind of hinted at with authority, uh, something around that li line could also be playing a role in that if we understand that this website is something where we tend not to show a lot of content from in the search results, then maybe it's not so worthwhile to make sure that we have millions of pages indexed from that site. Right. I mean, uh, which... They have crawled this. It just isn't, it didn't determine that it was worthwhile being indexed. And, and it's, yeah. it is job content. It's actually been around a long time, the website. And I'm sure, like you said, you don't know enough about the actual situation. Um, but I see it enough that it, it does boggle me sometimes. And, and, and as, as a troubleshooter, it's like, oh, God, OK, so where is the loose strand here? It's difficult yeah. to find. I almost wish Google Search, Search Console would at least give me a vague reason why. Why? Uh, I realize <laughs> you don't want to give away anything to spammers, but even a vague reason. <laughs> yeah, I, take... I think one of, one of the tricky parts also with a lot of jobs content is that it's just so duplicated across the web. You got that exactly. That's what I was going to yeah. say. It I is. deal with this, Ross. Yeah. I deal with this all the time with jobs, autos, real estate. They're all inventory-based content that's duplicated everywhere on the web. It's hard to get those things to, to, to stick. Yeah, and so I think I think making sure the site has more authority will help a substantial amount, I would imagine, and making sure that stuff's not buried too deeply as well. Uh, that's sort of the way I'm approaching it anyway at this point. At this point. Yeah, I, I think if if we, I mean, authority is kind of a, a vague term, yes. and it's not like we use domain authority or anything like that. Uh, but it is kind of helpful for us to understand this is actually in a very important website, and we should try to get as much as possible indexed from that website. And that's something we, we try to pick up in various signals. So uh, I, I think working on that aspect definitely makes sense. But at the same time, if you're recognizing that Google is only indexing a part of the content, you could also take that and say, OK, I will make sure that Google is indexing the most important content or the content I care about most, uh, which could be something like where you see the highest ROI or the, um, I don't know, just the highest value in general or the highest engagement from users and bring that a little bit more into the foreground so that Google can really recognize, oh, this is actually really good stuff. And then from there, it goes a little bit deeper. And, and so how would more. you do that? How would you make sure? Because it almost comes back to, to John's question earlier about content and ensuring that one gets over priority over the other. Um, making sure it's relevant within the site structure. So it's something where uh, within the internal linking that you really kind of highlight the, the thing that you care about most. Uh, for example, with e-commerce sites, if you have new products and you link to them from the homepage, then 
that's that's a really big sign for us. And it's like you're saying this is something new and it's important. You should go check it out. Whereas if you put the new content somewhere in sub sub category, then maybe Google will find it and, and notice it as well. So bringing it closer to, I'd say the, the parts where people tend to go more often, uh, the the higher level areas of the site. I think that that helps us to understand. You think this is important, so. We'll kind of trust you on that and say, like, we'll give this a little bit more weight and focus on that more and then work down from there. So if you created a new section on your site, maybe to, to, to hold some of this content that's not as important as other, how, because that section is brand new, it's not going to have much weight built up. It probably the only type of links it'll have would be internal links. How's that going to impact the content you move from a, a higher trusted area of the site to a lower trusted. And trust might not be the right word, but I think you understand what I mean. Um, so if you're moving it kind of further away, essentially? Yeah. Yeah. Just I, as, I just see sort of... it a little bit like uh, if you have a news content and you move it into an archive section. Uh, so it's it's kind of like you you link to the archive from somewhere within your website, but then from the archive, you find the rest compared to you find everything from the, the top level of the website. So you're kind okay. of taking something that's high up in the pyramid of your website and shifting it a little bit lower down. And I ask that question because this is, is SEO 101 and, and I'm just hoping you would, and you did reinforce the idea that the further the content is away from say the home page or the important pages on your site, the, the less relevant Google may see it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think it's, it's tricky in that it's not always the homepage. Yeah, uh, right. Sometimes there, there are parts of the site that are just like the most important thing where it's like you, you're a bigger company and you have this one sub brand that is really popular and that's kind of the most important part of your website. Uh, but in many cases, it is the homepage. Yeah, so in, in a sense, uh, uh, our users or listeners could focus on the page that has the most traffic as almost, it's, it's the entry page, another entry page and then make that um, make links from there. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's worth experimenting anyway. Yep. Um, occasionally we encounter something, well, just downright odd and frustrating in SEO. And, and, and I just hate these things because occasionally, do, yeah, well, <laughs> doing this long enough, you know, you get these is issues where, oh my God, I was like, why can't I make this site move? I just can't get it visibility. And in this one instance, I mean, this is all going to come around to simple question, but because I know we can't look into this instance, but one instance where it was a domain, a person had built a lot of authority to, and then they, for some inexplicable reason, decided to change domains. They redirected it, the old one, to the new one. But the old one still, to this day, is showing in Google Index, and it, it still ranks. <laughs> and this new site won't get a ranking for the life of us. It's the weirdest thing. And, and again, it's real and redirected. So in these situations, and I imagine there's people listening who have had issues like this, where do they reach out to if they have these problems? Is there a simple way to get attention, especially during COVID? I know there's been issues with manpower at Google, or at least there was at some points there. What do they do? I, I think the, the most general answer is to go to the help forums and post about it there. Um, the, 
There are various people from Google that kind of monitor the help forums and their top contributors in the help forum that can escalate these issues to Googlers as well. Uh, so usually what will happen there is you'll get some, some feedback from the people that are active in the community. And if, if it turns out that they can't help with this, then they can generally escalate that on to, to someone from Google. And sometimes that reaches me. Sometimes that reaches other people at Google. Um, the kind of the, I don't know, more direct approach or maybe a bit more intimidating approach sometimes is <laughs> to join the, the office hours that we do and ask in person. Uh, and I, I generally can't give direct feedback on specific issues live during the Hangout because it's like, you, you, I don't know, it, it's, it would be kind of weird for me to be able to figure out within one minute what you've been struggling with uh, for the past year. So uh, usually that's not, not possible. But I do take all of these escalations, and I bring them back to the teams. And uh, we, we do end up looking at them and trying to figure out, is there something specific that the site owner should be doing differently? Uh, or is this essentially how our algorithms are meant to be? Or is there maybe something on our side that we can improve uh, in that regard? Awesome. And with, with site moves in particular, I, I think we had one or two cases come up in, in the office hours, I don't know, in the last couple of months. And I, I went to their team and it's like, you, you can't tell, tell people to do 301 redirects and everything will be okay. Like, look at these two cases, everything went badly. Yeah. And uh, what they ended up doing is an analysis of all of the site moves that we've done in the last couple of months to figure out where there were significant traffic changes and to figure out like what what might be causing this. And it turned out that pretty much everything is working well, except for maybe some small thing that we we ended up fixing. Uh, but for the most part, it it ends up working out well. The I, I guess there's some tricky aspects always with regards to site moves, but I think for the most part that should be working out well. And some of the cases that, that I did bring up to the team, they were like, well, I don't know. It's like, look at all of these links that they built there and look at kind of this stuff that they did there. And it's like, well, it's, they, they were saying, it's like, well, it's kind of understandable that it looks the way it looks. Nice. So I, I got one more question on my list, Ross. Um, so I, I belong to a ton of um, open and private SEO groups on Facebook. And some of them have a few really dedicated, focused people, but there's a couple that are like 60, 70,000 people of every type of SEO or wannabe SEO. And somebody in one of those groups the other day asked a really interesting question and got dozens and dozens of different kinds of answers. And I wanted to ask you the same question, all right? If you could change one thing in the SEO industry, what would it be? Oh man, I I don't know. It's uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, on, on the one hand, one one of the things that that kind of comes to mind often for people is like, I, I want people to stop asking the same question over and over. Uh, <laughs> but for from my point of view, I think that's almost a good sign. So I don't really yeah. want that to be changed because if people stop asking the same questions over and over, it means that there are no more new people coming to the SEO. Exactly. And if new people aren't coming into the industry, that's kind of a sign that actually, well, it's not as interesting anymore. And I kind of like it when more and more new people come in. And even if they ask the same questions as everyone else before. 
So the thing you change is have everybody ask the same question over and over again. Got it. <laughs> No. I, so, I think you're kind of taking it out of context. <laughs> yeah. I know. John, Johnny never. <laughs> but I, I can tell you the most popular response in that thread, and it was actually my response as well, was some kind of certification process for the SEO industry so that, that, that people that would, would act ethically and do things you know, the way it should be done to help minimize the negative you know, aspects of that industry that we've had since we began, we've been known as, you know, snake oil salesmen, right? Um, is, is that something that could ever happen? Because I always say that's not going to happen without the engines coming in and helping with that certification process. Yeah, I, I think is that's that really that could happen? Yeah, I, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. I mean, it's, Me it's theoretical, possible that it could happen at some point. I think one of the, the interesting things around SEO is that a lot of people got started by doing all of the black hat stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, essentially you kind of grow from there and you say, oh, well, it's like, I got all my affiliate sites <laughs> to rank. It's like, I, I mean, I don't know yeah. if you did that, but uh, it is certainly <laughs> something that, that I see a lot of people doing in the beginning. And then from there you grow into kind of the mindset, well, I want something more stable rather than kind of these, uh, these sites that have to burn down every couple of weeks. And uh, then at that point, you're kind of like, well, you have that, uh, I don't know, black hat or kind of sneaky mindset already, and you're doing all of this legitimate stuff. So finding people who know what they're talking about from a legitimate point of view, but don't have any sneaky background where you can say, well, we can really confirm these are smart people who would never do anything to harm your website. Uh, I, th I think that would be really hard to do. It would. Well, and if any of us who've been doing this, like uh, Johnny, you've been doing this since 95, I'm since 97. A lot of what we did back then is considered blackout now. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, very true. You can't avoid it. I, it just was the way it was. Um, yeah. so. I mean, it's, it's experience that you build up as well, where you kind of know, well, when I did this, this, this tended to happen. And if you, if you do it for a longer period of time, you notice, well, it takes, I don't know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then search engines figure it out. So if someone comes to you and asks, like, should I be doing more hidden text on my site? You can say, well, that was, that was then. <laughs> First of all, more is out of the question. The fact that you're already doing it, that's what we need to discuss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I still see it sometimes. It just shocks me. I, yeah. I, 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 nice. Well, thank you, John. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And, and I know uh, it's Friday night, and it just makes it all the better that you took the time. Thank you. Yeah. It's time for thank a you. cocktail. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, uh, it's been a great episode 400. So on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, John Carcutt, Director of SEO for Advanced Local, and our special guest, John Mueller, Google Search Advocate, thank you for joining us today. Remember, we have show notes, uh, show notes newsletter you can sign up for at seo101radio.com. And uh, there you won't miss a single link and you can see the transcription and any links we have, uh, including the uh, GoFundMe for Hamlet Batista. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Facebook group, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Facebook. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes every week on webmasterradio.fm. I have a question, Ross. Okay. This, this is our first video version of SEO 101. Are you going to post it somewhere? 
I, I'm going to try. Yes, that's my intention. Okay, so everybody look for the video. You get to see all of us in, in our glory. Um, until our then, commercial breaks and everything. Yes. <laughs> until then, thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.